Welcome to another Evolving Smart Storytelling episode. Today we have Diane Samard, a senior aerospace executive, multiple award-winning business leader, early-stage business investor, an award-winning author, a stage 3 breast cancer survivor, and an advocate for those challenged by the long-term psychological effects of traumatic illnesses such as cancer. Hi everyone, um, this is Kelly Gearing, the founder of Evolving Smart, and today I am honored to have Diane Samard on our show. I look forward to talking to her about her evolving journey, how she has inspired us through civility, compassion, and just connection um, through small things and then large things. So Diane, welcome. Thank you, Kelly. It's so great to be here. We appreciate your time today. Um, so everyone, I want you to listen to this. Okay, so I have to read this. Um, these accolades, a 2019 top woman in energy by the Denver Business Journal, one of the inaugural 100 national top business women to watch by bizwomen.com, outstanding women in business and technology and telecom by the Denver Business Journal, Girl Scouts of Colorado, woman of distinction, the Aurora Chamber of Commerce Woman of the Year, and that's just a few. <laughs> so again, you can see why I'm honored to have Diane in our presence today for our show. So Diane, all of these awards and all of this business um, career path that you've been down, talk to us about how you've gotten through your business path um, and, and how all these awards came about. Well, thank you, Kelly, and it's such an honor to be uh, with you, speaking with you today. So I have such a varied background. I actually have a degree in journalism with an emphasis in public relations. And I knew when I was in college that um, covering the police beat was just not gonna be my thing as a newspaper reporter. And so I caught the small business bug, thankfully early in my career. And so I focused mainly on that public relations and the business communications side because I guess just covering hard news, uh, reporting the facts, it just seems it's certainly important, but I need more than that. And so as time went along, I really did learn how to combine that savvy for finding a good story, for finding those points that gets people uh, talking, that get their attention. And so what I did was I started looking for stories and ways to position usually executives I always joke and say that I'm the one that makes everybody else look good. That's my job. But I also um, just developed a knack for being able to, to write and get people's attention and, and to say it's more than just a successful business or the, or the revenue or the profitability that you have. It's what, what went into, where did this person come from? What challenges did they face? And so really it's been that ability to be a storyteller and combine that with either uh, a successful business or something that happened in business and then you have this interesting story and, and and that's what people tend to want to hear is how did you get from point a to point b how did you ever overcome an adverse situation to become successful and so it really is that great combination of of being able to to find um, the stories to point those out and then to just be on the lookout for these award opportunities because that's really what builds your credibility quite honestly and when you when i listen to you um share that list and, and i'm certainly very honored it, i'm just i'm just kind of way past that because for me it was an, another opportunity to say hey 
really what I want to talk about is not my success in business. It's about my passion. The human components, you know, I, I come from my, my career background is project management. And, you know, we always joke about herding cats and things like that, but the process and procedures that you can give to somebody, it's the human component of how people are willing to take that direction that, that propels them forward. So I understand looking for the story and, and how do you get people to do the things that they're passionate about and to do it, you know, all in. So thank you. Um, it, you know, one of the, one of the top awards that I, I didn't name, and I kind of want to go down this path with you, Diane, and this one is the Ray of Hope Cancer Foundation's honoree for advocacy work in bringing attention to long-term psychological impact of cancer. This is where I want you to tell me your passion and your, um, uh, you just, the, just your striving for life and, and, and what makes you Diane and what this diagnosis did for you. Absolutely. So that, um, I was diagnosed with late stage three breast cancer in early 2015, and I was months away from turning 50. And as a woman, uh, 50 is such a symbolic time. And I was mentally preparing myself for, oh, okay, well, I get to be 50. Even though I don't like getting older, I'm just going to finally be at peace with myself. Mm -hmm. And I had made that decision. And so the other part of the story is that there's no history of cancer, certainly no history of breast cancer in my family. But, and I had had annual mammograms because I had had um, a benign cyst discovered in my left breast 11 years before. And so I had done the faithful annual mammograms and it was just that year in 2015 when it was my time. And so I, it was just a symbolic time where we're turning 50 in your life. And so I, when I got the diagnosis, I was, of course, uh, I went through all of the emotions of shock and fear and anxiety and but I became very determined right away in the process early in the process and I decided that I wanted to like many uh, of those who go through any type of treatment capture it and because I was trained as a journalist I started capturing my thoughts and writing and that became my emotional outlet because I didn't want to burden my husband and I was such a private person at the time that this felt like a good way to uh, just be able to get it out and so I was surprised when treatment started how, uh, I guess, just psychologically, I, be I began to, to change. I became very paranoid. These are very powerful drugs, too, by the way. I was also very, very, very sick. And I saw myself as a weak person because my stomach just couldn't handle the, the nausea. And so I, I, it was the cyclical nature of, of having 16 chemotherapy infusions that really got me into a deep depression. And so I asked my medical oncologist toward the end of, of chemotherapy, if she could refer me to a counselor who specialized in working with type A female business executives who think they're in, want to think they're in control, but they're really not. And she, uh, I was shocked by her answer. And she said that she didn't know of anyone that specialized in working individually with, um, anyone and and of course i challenged her and i said well we have marriage and family counselors we have sports psychologists why don't we have anyone focusing on those of us going through cancer and it's not just us 
the ones that are being treated. It's also our caregivers, our families, our loved ones that are also so traumatized. It was um, a real concern of hers. And she gave a couple of examples of her patients that were um, close to having nervous breakdowns and just mm -hmm. struggling with relationships. And so I started exploring, started asking questions. And so uh, the University of Denver has uh, their graduate school of professional psychology. It's called GSPP. And um, these are the clinical psychologists as opposed to research psychologists. And so they're the ones who are trained to work with patients. And so I met with uh, the folks at GSPP and launched this, eventually launched this specialty in oncology psychology. And so uh, the Ray Hope Cancer Foundation was so gracious to um, pick up on what I had done in terms of just trying to bring more attention to not just the, um, the psychological effects of going through cancer treatment, but the permanent lifetime effects, psychological effects. And there's studies now that are proving that um, some cancer survivors actually are diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder. PTSD, whereas I always thought that was reserved for those that experience, you know, wartime. And so it is, it is a, um, I, I feel like a, I'm hoping that we've opened Pandora's box, but for the right reason. And just like with COVID-19, we're realizing the long-term mental health effects that being under such duress can have on a person and not just you on your, on the people that you're around. Um, it, it, it really was kind of five years before it's time quite honestly. Thank you for that description of, you know, it's not only the physical that we go through, but the, the mental as well. And fortunately or unfortunately, I think all of us have someone that we love or care for very close to have gone through some type of traumatic illness of some kind. As I was preparing to talk with you, you know, I, I reflected back on my mom who was 52 at the time when she was diagnosed with breast cancer. And now that we, she has two daughters, um, my, my sister and I both are, you know, we've been getting mammograms and, and going through the process since in our early thirties. So one of those things you, you talked about just journaling, you know, your, your journalism major comes into play here. You're, you're journaling your path through chemotherapy, through radiation, what it's doing not only to your body, but to your, your mind, your, your, your feelings, and those, uh, those around you. And, and I can relate 100% to the type A personality because I think I've been called type A many times. But, but just, just walk me through, you know, the Ray of Hope Cancer Foundation um, honoree um, award that you received, but that also turned into, like you mentioned, your, your conversations and your work with the University of Denver. And I believe that that's how the human component came about in COPE. And COPE is, and I want to make sure I get this correct, Center of Oncology Psychology Excellence was formed. So talk to us about COPE and how are we are coping today. Well, thank you, Kelly. Like many type A female business executives and male business executives, uh, when we go through such trauma, oftentimes we approach coming through that and um, feel like something ne good needs to have come from that, right? If I'm going to be this sick, be this traumatized, and be blessed, I might add also, I'm so grateful to have, um, it's, it, my breast cancer was still considered treatable barely. And so I will forever just always be so grateful for that. 
but again, we, we tend to pick apart, don't we, everything that's wrong. Um, I certainly did. And one thing component that I found missing from my excellent treatment uh, that I received was this psychological component, was the fact that um, a breast cancer support group just wasn't going to do it for me. And uh, a lot of people don't quite get me for a variety of reasons. And so I just felt the need to identify something that was going to bring more attention to this psychological impact. I just felt so strongly. And again, after talking to my oncologist and realizing that she was experiencing this with her patients, them were severely depressed and traumatized. So um, I, I kind of put two and two together after, after meeting, as I mentioned, with the folks at the University of Denver and the clinical psychologists. And again, when you're bald and again, a lot of information here, but this all launched me into menopause chemically. And, and so I, many changes were happening in my mind and body. Um, I was grateful and scared still, but I just knew that I needed to find a life raft. I needed to find a project, something that could be impactful that was going to solve a problem because that's what we do in business. We are constantly trying to evolve, to make um, things more efficient or cost effective, whatever the goal is. And I just needed to find my reason for this happening to me. And so it was a little bit selfish, quite honestly, starting out because I just, I just couldn't believe as I talked with them, again, the professionals who work in this field and in, um, in these clinics. And, and by the way, I have to pause and say that there is training available for um, all types of mental health professional, whether it's at the, at the, uh, at the doctorate level, those with counselors with master's degree, there is training in terms of how to work with cancer patients. What uh, the Center for Oncology Psychology Excellence was at the time was the first in the country to offer this type of, of training or specialty at the post, or excuse me, at the graduate level. And so that was the, the big claim to fame at the time. And, and quite honestly, it's really, I wouldn't say taking off, but there is certainly a lot more interest and attention that's, that's being paid to it. So I always kind of brag because in business, you know, you have to be the first or the best or the whatever. It's great to be all of those. But I did uh, realize that it was important to just to get going with this. So after meeting with the, uh, the professionals, I realized that uh, this area of, of training was very much lacking this opportunity for those that are providing this mental health support to learn about how unique cancer is, how how um, it differs from other type of health um, concerns. And so I just really pinpointed and was just laser focused at the time. Um, some of the, uh, the experts there at the University of Denver tried to talk me into um, behavioral health psychology, which includes all types of health um, conditions that result in traumas. And I said, well, I just said, I'm still going through and being treated for cancer. I want to start with cancer first. And that's really why and how this got its start. It was my life raft, my something, a project I needed to just wrap my arms around while I was still barely functional. And I worked about half to three-fourths of the time while I went through treatment. The chemo was especially the, the worst part for me, but after surgery and radiation, I slowly started to come back to life, if you will, and, and um, be able to just maintain and function and remember um, things that I just couldn't when I was going through, uh, through chemotherapy. Diane, thank you for that. And, um, I, I appreciate you, you sharing your story with us. Um, your book, the unlikely gift of breast cancer, 
we'll, we'll have a link to your site so people can go out there and check you out. We will have that in our show notes, but I love the title of it because you're right. People often have these horrific things that happen to them, to us. And those of us that are very positive outlooked people, we, we simply go, okay, well, why is this happening and how can I turn it into something better? How can I learn from it? And I think that's part of the evolution and our involvement, us evolving from standard, just regular run of the mill to like these outrageous things that happen. And it's all because of, I think the, the comment is, you know, the mother of invention is necessity, something to that effect. And, and I think that you creating and helping form cope and all of the awards that you've won in regards to that is just amazing. So, so apologize. I, I could keep on and on and on. Um, one of the things that I want you to, to give to, to our audience and to, to myself is what words of wisdoms do you have for folks going through a traumatic illness, going through these types of challenges coming from your perspective, what kind of words of wisdom do you have? Well, that's such a great question. And I have to say, I probably, well, I know for sure, I survived and also was able to get through what was really a very brutal treatment uh, regimen because of my business background. And in business, we're taught to have a plan to be prepared. Those of us who work in the communications field know that you need a plan for this and that, and, and uh, having the plan is a big part of it. And so in the early days after my diagnosis, I, that was what I focused on quite honestly was answering those questions you mentioned that, geez, why did this happen to me? What did I do wrong? Uh, I cover that extensively in my book. And in fact, that question haunted me, well, still haunts me to, to this day, quite honestly, but we need answers. We're seeking answers and clarification and understanding. But um, one thing I was very determined was to develop a plan. And that's always how I attack my business day. I'm um, a Virgo, but I'm also very structured and orderly. And I, I just am able to function better when there's order in my life. And I needed to attack cancer the same way, quite honestly. And so for those that aren't quite as much of a type A person as I am to that extreme, I honestly don't know. It just was, I knew that I needed to um, tap into my strengths. And maybe that's the best way to put it is whatever your strengths are. And that could be everything from the quiet, silent type. Um, I would, I would recommend because everyone's going to want to help you and tell you what to do and think that they know the answer and they know what's best for you, but to just communicate and say, Hey, I'm going to unplug for a while while I process this and it's going to be exhausting this treatment. And so please don't think I'm ignoring you or that I'm dying. Quite honestly, it just takes time. And then there's those who are the complete opposite and need a lot of attention and support and people checking in. And I personally think it really helps when you know yourself to know what type of support is going to be most helpful for you. And it's okay to say, I just want to be left alone for a while. Or it's okay to say, I would love if you would check in on me every day and, and let me know what's going on in the real world. So, you know, just to be in touch with yourself. And um, because like, 
like any experience, the things that get us through the toughest moments really are the things that, uh, that we excel in, that, that um, make us happy or give us confidence. And cancer is no different. Thank you. I, I, I hear the strength words. Um, some of our conversations we've had with, with other folks, you know, it's the strength. And I, and I keep going back to that. You know, we all know what our strengths and weaknesses are. Um, and what our strength is to get us through certain things and where those weaknesses come in, where you actually say, yeah, I need you to help do this. Yes. Can you pick that up? Or, you know what, I'm not strong today. So I need that extra time for myself. So I think when we know our own boundaries, I think that gives us confidence to, to take things head on and go for it. So one of the things that I want to end up with here is something that has given you an eye-opening experience, whether it be in business or, or, or your cancer treatment or just your life in general, you know, the good, the bad, um, something that just really gave you shock and awe. Was it something that was super funny, something that you were like, I cannot believe I'm going through this? which we could relate to, to lots of things, your cancer as well, but something from, from your life, Diane, that you just want to share with us. So um, I have to go back to, I mentioned I did a lot of communications writing in my, in my career. So early, early, and this would be in the mid 1990s, I was working, uh, of all things, I was working for a student loan collection agency. And um, I wasn't on the phone collecting, I was in charge of a marketing department is where our, um, it's really business development or capturing new business fell. And so won a lot of work, won a lot of government contracts. And so that success allowed me to um, get promoted to vice president. And being a vice president, having that title was the only thing I ever wanted, I thought at the time. And so I remembered um, we were, in an old um, office building in, in downtown Dallas. And um, we were, uh, I worked on the 34th floor and the executive floor was on the 37th floor. And so I remembered going to my first executive leadership meeting on the 37th floor. I got permission to go up to the 37th floor. And I remember sitting down at the huge conference table with the Star Trek chairs and sat down. And um, one of the first things that I heard was, a racist comment that was made and I was shocked and disappointed and I almost got up and left and I really struggled with that moment because everything I'd ever wanted to that point was happening and and it just it was like a punch to the gut and so I say that I stayed and I struggled with it and then to this day I kind of kicked myself a little bit that I didn't speak up then and it was such a surprise because I just assumed getting the title, you know, everything that I had hoped for and envisioned, it just, it was the complete, it was such a disappointment and I was so shocked and hurt. And so the moral of the story actually is that um, to this day, I really don't get hung up on titles. It's important, but in my opinion, a title doesn't automatically get you respect you have to earn that respect and you have to re-earn it every day, day in and day out. And that has always been the takeaway for me. And, and, and it's so great. I do a lot of mentoring and anyone who sets a goal of, a, of reaching a particular level or a title, 
I always tend to kind of go to town on them a little bit because once you get that title, it's just a title and then there's expectations, but it doesn't guarantee you anything. And so that's kind of a downer, but it was just such a shock and it was so early in my career and I was just so hurt and disappointed. And it was a real eye-opening experience as to, uh, and, and why I can understand a lot of why some of today's social injustices are bubbling and gurgling to the surface because they've been there for a long, long time. And so um, I appreciate you asking me that because I this is probably the first time I've spoken publicly about that. and. Part of it is I'm still ashamed and embarrassed and wish I had reacted differently, but it, how old was I, 30 at the time? I, I'm a whole lot wiser now 25 years later and have seen a lot more. But again, I just, I really do encourage um, anyone to just not let that title go to their head or feel like um, they're set because they're not. Diane, thank you for sharing that. It's it's definitely um, something that's in the forefront of everyone's mind today. It's something that Evolving Smart does as we talk about culture and etiquette and protocol and things like that. Um, I've been blessed to be able to travel the world in one of my business careers and learning how people react to one another, even in the smallest things. And when you do, depending on where you are, what part of the country for the U.S. that you're in, some things seem to be acceptable, but we are, we are starting to challenge that status quo. We're starting to make people accountable and bringing civility back into the world where it needs to be. So I applaud you for bringing that up because I think it's something that is being, you know, brought to the, to the surface more so it still happens, and unfortunately, it's going to continue to happen, but I think the more people that realize it and are not ashamed to bring up and say, I don't think that was the right way to handle that. And, you know, we all have our ways of, in a business environment, to bring that up very civil. So I, I want to take that, and I hope that everyone hears that and continues to say, you know, I don't think that's right. Let, let's rephrase that. Maybe you're thinking this way and, and, and start helping people guide to a, to a better outlook. So thank you for that. Just in closing, thank you again for your time, your story, your passion. I think that your unlikely gift of breast cancer is actually a gift for the rest of us because you did shine light on the psychological effects of a traumatic illness, a disease, where people were treating, you know, their body symptoms and the, the physical attribute, but the mental attributes play so much into what you do every day in your life. So thank you for that. Well, thank you, Kelly. And again, I appreciate the, uh, the opportunity to be invited to, to share. And um, if anyone has interest in this particular field or would like to learn more, absolutely, please do reach out. We will definitely have all of the links for Diane's life, her, her website, her book, her journey, and our show notes. So thank you again for, for being here today. My pleasure. Thank you for being a part of our Evolving Smart Storytelling. For more information on Diane Samard and her book and her journey, please refer to our show notes for a link directly to her site.